0: The following message is from Hope Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. More information about Hope Church can be found at HopeChurchOnline.com. Stress me out in the unknown, not knowing what tomorrow brings. Earning money, <laughs> well, especially if, you're, uh, if you don't have a job. Uh, the lack of money. Yeah, because I always have bills to pay, but I don't get paid enough. Stresses me out the most. Uh, traffic. Why does that stress you out? Because people drive like idiots. Whether or not I'm doing what I'm called to do or doing what I should, how I'm spending my time, um, if it's spend- if I'm spending my time on the right things. Women work. Uh, I am in human resources, so I deal with a lot of stressful situations, deal with people's futures, employment, things like that. What's going to happen in the future? What stresses me out the most in life? My children. My wife. <laughs> right now, you go. Me not being um, good enough, and that comes from me. So. Do you ever? Feel stressed. Yeah, right? Well, you are not alone. As a matter of fact, the American Psychological Association tells us that 77% of people regularly experience. The physical symptoms caused by stress. Almost 80%. Here's what I want you to do. Look up and down your row there for a second. If this statistic is true that the American Psychological Association has given us, about 8 out of the 10 people sitting on your row are experiencing the physical impact and symptom of stress in their life. They go on to tell us that 48%, that's almost half, 48% of people report lying awake at night due to stress. Now, 8 out of 10 was the other one. This is now 1 out of 2. So look down your row at the number of people that didn't get a good night's sleep last night, right? Because they say 1 out of every 2 people lay awake at night and can't sleep because of the overwhelming feeling of stress in their lives. I want you to listen to me very carefully. This is not the way God intended you to enjoy life. I'm going to say it again because I want you to hear it. Because for some of you, living stressed out has become so normal. You just think that's how you have to live. Being stressed out is not the way God intends for you to enjoy life. This weekend, we're launching into a series that we're going to be studying for the next four weekends called stressed. You see it up here behind me. When they showed me a picture of what they were putting up here, I got stressed because I was afraid it was going to fall on my head. And they sent me a a text and said, "Uh, Pastor, don't be stressed. If it falls on you, you'll be dead. Don't worry about it. You'll be all right. (laughs) But over the next four weekends, what we're going to really be talking about is this issue of stress and how to deal with it. And the reality is you and I have been created by God to enjoy life not just endure it. And a lot of people, that's how they would describe their existence, that they're just enduring life. But but God's created it so that we can enjoy life. But, But in saying that, what I'm not saying to you today is what you'll hear a lot of people that claim to teach the Bible on television say. And that is that as a follower of Jesus, you are immune from stressful and difficult situations in your life. That's what some people would say, that as a Christian, you can enjoy life because you're immune. But what I'm not saying to you is that we're immune from difficulties and challenges as followers of Jesus Christ. We are not immune from those situations. As a matter of fact, let me show you a verse of Scripture that you probably have not claimed lately. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But realize this. That in the last days, difficult times will come. Notice he didn't say might or maybe. He said will. And I love the way the Amplified Bible expands on that idea of difficult times. Here's the way they define it. Difficult times are times of great stress and trouble... That are hard to deal with and hard to bear. Here's what the Bible promises. The Bible doesn't promise that if you follow Jesus, you'll be immune from difficulty and challenge. As a matter of fact, the Bible promises just the opposite. The Bible says you need to realize this. Times of stress and trouble come into everybody's life. What distinguishes us as followers of Jesus is not the absence of difficult and stressful situations. It is the presence of God's peace in the midst of those difficult and stressful situations. I want to ask you a question this morning, and I want you to answer it honestly, as honest as you can, just in your heart before the Lord. Here's the question. In difficult circumstances, do you stress out with worry and anxiety, or do you experience the peace of God? If I was going to ask it another way, I'd say this. Which word best describes your response to difficulty and challenge? Stress or peace? Peace. As we walk through this series this morning, we're going to kick it off by looking at a verse of Scripture where Paul is addressing this very issue, this very contrast of stress and anxiety versus knowing the peace of God. If you have your Bible, open to Philippians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we're going to put these verses up on the screen so you can follow along as I read them, where Paul is writing a letter to a church of Christian people in a city called Philippi. And in this letter, Paul addresses this very idea of anxiety and stress. Look at it on the screen. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hear what Paul's saying there? Paul says, don't be anxious. Let me me give you a better way. And here's what I want you to hear me say today. What I'm going to unpack for you this morning are not some self-help principles or some philosophies that we came up with in a creative session. What I'm unpacking for you is counsel from the Word of God. It's from the Bible. It's God's truth. It's God saying to you and me today, there is a better way to live. Now, before I unpack those verses by asking and answering a few questions, let me begin by giving you a disclaimer for the series, all right? Here's the fine print that I want to give you for the entire four-week series. Here's the disclaimer. What we are not going to teach you is how to remove every stressful situation from your life. That's not possible. If you live as a human being... You will experience difficulties and challenges. We cannot in any way teach you how to remove every stressor from your life. Now, we are in this series gonna teach you how to remove some of them because some of them are self inflicted. As we begin to talk about this, we're gonna understand that some of the stress in my life is because I've accumulated too much debt. Or some of the stress in my life is because I have unhealthy relationships that exist in my life. Or some stress in my life is because I'm taking on too much responsibility. I'm putting some things on my plate that God didn't put on my plate, and therefore I am stressed out by those things. Now, we are going to show you how to remove some of those self-inflicted stressors in your life, but even in removing those, there are still going to be situations and circumstances. Here's what we're going to teach you. How to respond to them without stress and enjoying life in the midst of those difficult situations and circumstances. If that sounds good, say amen. amen. That's what we're going to do over this series. And we're going to get real specific. Today, I'm going to just give some general unpacking of this principle. Over the next three weekends, we're going to get very specific in our application of this principle in three major areas. Schedule, relationships, and budget. Because as you survey this idea, if you get on the internet today and you Google the idea of stress... You'll get stressed out reading all the information about stress. Man, there are volumes and volumes and volumes written on this subject of stress. It's a word that was invented, I believe I read, in 1939 by a, a, a psychiatrist. But, but since then, there's been a whole lot of stuff written on the subject of stress. And if you go through and read the top causes of stress, the top 10 or so causes, they can really be boiled down to those three areas, schedule, time relationships, and budget. So with that, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to give the introduction, and then we'll look at those three areas over the next three weekends. Here's the first question I want to ask and answer this morning. What is stress? If we're going to have a conversation about it for four weeks, we need a working definition so that we all know what we are talking about. Now, Paul, when he opens this verse of Scripture, he uses the word anxious. In the Greek language, this is a word that means to care, to worry, to be troubled, to take thought continuously. It's the idea of having something on my mind that is just consuming me. It's all I can think about. It's the, the, the Greek word is a picture of being pulled in different directions. Paul says we're to be anxious for nothing. Now, what Paul is not saying here is that we're not to care about anything. Paul is not here proposing some akuna matata, right? Some don't worry, be happy, everything's going to be okay. Here's what he's teaching us. He's teaching us that the cares and concerns of life are to be understood through a right perspective of our relationship with God. I love the way Albert Barnes wrote about it. Look what he said on the screen. He said this statement does not mean that we are to exercise no care about worldly matters, no care to preserve our property or to provide for our families, but that there is to be a confidence in God as to free the mind of anxiety and such a sense of dependence on Him as to keep it calm. All human beings experience genuine Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you breathing? If you're breathing, raise your hand. Right? Okay. If you're breathing, you're alive. As long as you and I are alive as human beings, it is normal and appropriate in situations and circumstances to demonstrate genuine concern. What is not appropriate is when that genuine concern drifts across the line into a fearful concern, and that's what stress is. So let me, let me give you a definition of stress that we're going to use over these four weeks together to give us a common ground as we talk about this subject. Look at it on the screen. Here's stress. Fearful concern experienced when life's demands seem greater than my ability to meet them. Read that out loud with me. Fearful concern experienced when life's demands seem greater than my ability to meet them. That's stress. It's fearful concern that that I don't have enough time in my schedule to get everything done. And so because I don't have enough time, I don't have the, the necessary resources to be able to meet that need, and it begins to be an all-consuming thing, and I begin to stress out about it, or, or look at it in the context of, of budget. I, I look at my situation, and, and there's not enough personal resources to meet the financial requirements that are out there and I begin to have a growing fearful concern about that that need that I can't meet myself and it begins to consume me and I get stressed out. Or in the context of relationships, there's some emotional energy that that I don't have to give and I don't have the resources to meet the need of this person and so I'm just consumed with my lack of ability and becomes a fearful concern. You say, well, how do I know the difference between genuine concern that everybody feels and fearful concern, which is stress? Well, I'm so glad you asked that question because I want to answer it for you this morning. I want to put two statements on the screen that I hope will bring some clarity to this issue. And the first one's about genuine concern. Look at it. Genuine concern is what I call a burden. When we have genuine concern... It expresses itself in dependence on God, and here's the question it drives me to ask. What will he do? There's a situation in my life, I don't have the resources to meet it, rather than getting all stressed out about it. It drives me to intimacy with God. I go to God and say, God, here's the situation. Lord, what are you going to do with it? That's a burden. I have a burden. I carry that burden to the Lord, and I lay it at his feet. That's genuine concern. Let me show you the opposite, fearful concern. Fearful concern is what we're calling stress, expresses itself in dependence on self, and here's the question it asks. What am I going to do? And we already know we don't perceive we have the resources necessary to meet whatever the demand is that's in front of us. So that becomes the question of a dog chasing its own tail because we know we don't have the resources. How am I going to fix this? What am I going to do? How am I going to solve this problem? How am I going to get out of this situation? How am I going to meet this need? And we're overwhelmed with it, and it becomes an all-consuming stressful lifestyle, and instead of enjoying the life that God's given us, we just now are enduring life, trying to get through from day to day to day. That's what stress is. If those two statements, if that that brings some clarity, say amen. amen. All right, let me ask a second question. Why should I not stress? Why should I not stress? Some people, stress is like a security blanket. You've gotten so used to having it, you just think it's normal. Why why is it important that I'm not stressed? Well, I want to give you five reasons. Here's the first one. Stress is not pleasing to God. Paul said, be anxious for nothing. Say that with me. Be anxious for nothing. Say it again. Be anxious for nothing. Here's what I want you to hear about that statement. It's not a suggestion. In the Greek text, it's an imperative. Here's what that means. It wasn't given to us as an option It's a command of God that we not worry, that we not stress. And it wasn't new with Paul. Jesus said the exact same thing. Look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Look at it on the screen. Jesus said, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Again, in the Greek text, it's an imperative. It's not a suggestion. He's not laying out some options for us to consider. He's giving us an imperative, a command. Jesus said, do not be worried about your life as to what you'll eat or what you'll drink, not for your bodies to what you'll put on. Here's what that means. To stress and to worry is to step outside of the boundaries and parameters that God has given us in life. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when I stood up here under an umbrella? Remember that? I stood under that umbrella and said that umbrella was a picture of God's commands and God's statutes and God's parameters and God's boundaries. And as long as we stay under God's umbrella of authority and submit to His Word, we get to enjoy the blessing and the favor of God. But when we step outside from underneath that umbrella... We've stepped outside of God's boundaries and parameters. We've removed ourselves from the blessing and favor of God. And here's the reality. When you're stressed and worried, you've stepped outside the boundaries. And God gave us those boundaries not because he knew being stressed out was so much fun. He didn't say don't be stressed out because he knew there was so much joy in being stressed out. No, God knew that that wasn't good for us. And so God said don't do that, not to rob us of the joy and the pleasure of stress, but to protect us from living that kind of life. And here's the reality. When you're stressed and worried about something, it breaks the heart of God. Because God gave you that boundary to protect you. Moms and dads, you know what it is to give your kids boundaries. And you do that not to rob them, but to protect them. And when they step outside those boundaries, what does that do? Does that make you angry? No. It breaks your heart. Why? Because you gave them the boundary because you love them. And you want them to enjoy the most out of life. God gave us the boundary. And listen, if all I said today is stress is not pleasing to God. That's enough, right? I mean, we can close the Bible and go home right there. We shouldn't do it. But there's four more reasons. Let me give them to you. Number two, stress endangers my health physically and spiritually. God instructs us not to worry because worry is dangerous. Remember what I told you? When God says don't do something, here's what you need to hear Him saying. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. If you get online and, again, look this subject up, there are a lot of statistics. I want to give you a few to show you this principle that I'm talking to you about right now. Some of these are from WebMD, some from the American Psychological Association, some from published articles, but here's some of the stats. 43% of adults suffer adverse health effects from stress. 43% Forty-three percent of adults in America, adverse health effects from stress. Here's the second one. This is amazing. Seventy-five to 90 percent of all doctors' office visits are for stress-related ailments and complaints. Did you hear that? Seventy-five to 90 percent of all office visits and a doctor are for stress-related issues? Stress can play a part in problems such as headaches, high blood pressure, heart problems, diabetes, skin condition, asthma, arthritis, and depression. According to OSHA, stress costs American industry more than $300 billion annually in healthcare expenses. Did you know that that is more than the gross domestic product of over 160 nations on planet Earth? And we're spending it in healthcare costs directly related to stress. Chronic stress can affect your brain, suppress your thyroid, cause blood sugar imbalances, decrease bone density and muscle tissue, raise blood pressure, reduce your immunity and ability to heal, increase fat deposits around your abdomen that are associated with heart attacks, strokes, and elevated bad cholesterol. And if all that's not enough, According to the American Psychological Association, stress is linked to the six leading causes of death. No wonder God said, don't do that. You see, God created the world. And God created your body. And God created my body. He created the human existence. God knows how the human body functions, and He knows that stress and anxiety both debilitate and deteriorate the human body physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And that's why God said, Be anxious for nothing. Don't do that, it's gonna hurt you. My mentor, Clyde Cranford, said it this way anxiety is a cancer. That eats away at our flesh and our faith. Let me give you a third reason why you shouldn't stress. Stress is inconsistent with the character of God. It's inconsistent with the character of who God is. So, say, what do you mean by that? There's a quote by A.W. Tozier. It's one of my favorite Tozier quotes. Here's what he says. The most important thing about you is what comes to mind when you think of God. You see, our understanding of God and who He is shapes everything about the way we see our lives. You say, what do you mean by by that's the most important thing? Well, let me ask you a few questions. How many of you today would say God is a loving God? Let me see your hand. God's a loving God. Okay. Looks like most everybody you can put them down. Bible says that, right? God's a loving God. How many of you would say today that God is a wise God, that He has wisdom? Let me see your hand. Just hold them up for a second. All right, looks like most people again, you can put them down. So we're getting some consensus here about what we believe about God. How many of you would say, I believe God is powerful, that God has power? So, And listen, the Bible teaches all three of those things, that God is loving, that God has wisdom, and that God has power. But did you know that that's not all the Bible says? The Bible doesn't just say God is loving. You know what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4? It says God is love. It's one thing to be loving. It's something else to be love. The Bible tells us in the book of Colossians chapter 2, not only is God wise, but Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3 says, from him flows all wisdom. It's one thing to be wise. It's something else to be the source of all wisdom. Listen, the Bible teaches not only is he powerful, but the Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 and in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 26 and in many other places that God is not just powerful, but that he is all powerful. It's the idea, the theological expression, the omnipotence of God that God contains and possesses all power. Now, if all of that is true, let me give you some conclusion statements. Number 1, since God is love, He desires only what's best for us. How many moms and dads in the room? Let me see your hand. You love your kids, right? Most of the time. Amen. We, we love them. Now, because we love them, we, we, we want what's best for them. Right? I mean, no, no parent says, yeah, I love my kid. I want the worst for them. Right? No. Because we love them, we want what's best. Why? Because we love them. Look. God doesn't just love us. God is love. He wants only the best for us. Let me show you the second one. Since God is all wise, he knows what's best for us. Listen, as a parent of four kids, I love them. I want what's best for them. I don't always know what's best. I have limited wisdom. I try to discern what's best, but I don't always know what's best for them. Listen, God not only loves us and wants what's best for us, because He possesses all wisdom, He knows in every situation and in every circumstance what is the best thing for us. But that's not even all of it. Look at the third one. Since He's all-powerful, He can bring about what's best for us. Now, I love my kids. I want what's best. I don't always know what's best, even when I know what's best. I don't always have the power to make it happen. Listen, God is love. He not only wants the best because he's all wise, he knows what's best because he has all power. He can bring about what's best. Now, if all that is true, what are you stressed out about? I mean, think about it. It's inconsistent with the character of God who wants what's best and knows what's best and has the power to bring about what's best. It's inconsistent with his character for me to say, Oh, I'm so worried. How am I going to handle this? Does that make sense? Let me give you a fourth one. Stress misrepresents the character of God to those around us. You see, it's not just about you. When you and I stress out, it presents a distorted view of God to the people watching our lives. When others see us stressed out, it raises the question. (laughs) Is God really in control? I mean, I know they say it out of their mouth. But they got something going on and, man, they're all torqued out about it. (laughs) Is God really in control? Does God really love us? Can I really trust God? Does He really care? You see how it misrepresents the character of God to those around us? Let me give you the fifth one. Stress doesn't change anything for the good. I mean, it'd be different if maybe there was some value to it. How have you helped your situation at all by stressing out about it? Anybody had great discovery from being stressed out about it? Anybody have great accomplishment because of being no, it didn't. And we shouldn't be surprised. That's exactly what Jesus said in the Bible. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 25. He said, "And which of you by worrying, same word used in Philippians 4 for anxious, which of you by worrying can add a single hour?" To his lifespan, All the worry and all the stress and all the anxiety. And you can't even add a single hour. Look what he says. If you can't even do that very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? So that's what stress is. That's why we shouldn't do it. Let me, let me close by laying some foundation for where we're going. And that's with this question. How do I keep stress out of my life? How do I keep stress out of my life? Well, go back to our verse, Philippians 4. I want to put it back up on the screen. and I want you to read it out loud with me. Be anxious for nothing, but. Stop right there. Be anxious for nothing. What's the next word? But. It's a a particle of contrast. It, It communicates antithesis. It, it it describes the opposing idea. Here's what that means. Here's one option. You can be anxious. But he says, don't do that. Don't stress out. He said, let me give you the alternative. Let me give you the other option. Let me show you the antithesis of stressing out about it. Let's read it. Be anxious for nothing. But in Everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Stop right there. What I want to do is I want to give you three statements that will unpack that verse to give you some handles of how to keep stress out of your life. And we're going to be finished. Here's the first one. Live my life in constant fellowship with God. Live my life in constant fellowship with God. Paul says, here's one option. You can be anxious or in everything by prayer and supplication. Paul uses several words here to describe our communication with God, our talking to God. The word prayer supplication, requests, let it be made known. All of these are words that describe our communication with God, our talking with God. And Paul says we're to do that in everything. Here's the problem. Some of us have God in a box. We get out our God box on Sunday morning when we come to church. And we talk to God at church and Maybe we carve out a few minutes in the morning where we spend time with God in the morning before we go into our day and we, we pull out our God box there and maybe before, before a meal, before we eat something, we'll pull out a quick minute in the God box there and talk to God, but the rest of the time, we're, we're kind of living life on our own. And here's what Paul says. I'm to live my life in constant fellowship with God. I'm going through the day, that stressful situation comes up, that difficult circumstance arises. And instead of immediately begin to internalize that, oh, what am I going to do about that? Man, I don't have the resources to meet this situation. How am I going to handle this? How am I going to get out of this? How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to overcome this? And before you know it, it's consuming my mind and my heart and it's all I can think about. Here's what Paul says, in that moment, instead of going there, talk to God about it. Just start having a conversation with God about what's going on in your life. And Paul says to do that in everything. You see, knowing the peace of God in the difficulties of life begins in living my life in constant fellowship with God. And Paul understood this. We didn't read it, but if we'd read on down in chapter 4 of this letter that Paul wrote, look at verse 11. I'll put it up on the screen for you. Listen to what Paul said. Not that I speak from want. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Man, there's a verse to wrap your head around, right? I've learned to be content in whatever the situation is. Look what he goes on to say, verse 12. I know how to get along with humble means. And I know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned. What does he say? The secret. Mm. Let's read on. The secret of being filled and going hungry. Both of having an abundance and suffering need. What's the secret? Look at the next verse. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You hear what Paul said? I know what it is to be hungry. I know what it is to have plenty. But in both of those circumstances, I've learned to be content because I can trust him. I can have a conversation with him. And here's the reality. You cannot know the peace of God without knowing the God of peace. I understand that on a day like today in this room, there are many of you who are already followers of Jesus Christ. You would claim to be a Christian. You've surrendered the control of your life to Jesus. And what I'm talking to you about is how to begin to deal with stress. Instead of internalizing it and starting to deal with it myself, it immediately drives me to intimacy with God. And here's the beautiful thing about that. As soon as that stressful situation comes up, all that is is an invitation to God by God to a deeper level of intimacy with Him. So start looking at it differently. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's God inviting you into deeper fellowship with Him so that He can prove His faithfulness to you. But I also know that there are some here today, maybe many here today, that don't know Jesus. You're not a follower of Jesus Christ. And You'll never know the peace of God until you know the God of peace. God created this world. I said that a moment ago. And God created us as human beings to live our lives in fellowship with Him. But the reality of the story is we chose to sin against God as human beings. And the Bible teaches us that because of sin, we're now separated From a relationship with God. The very thing we were created to enjoy fellowship with God because of sin, we lost the ability to have a relationship with God. And the Bible teaches us that since Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, every human being that's ever been born has been born into this world, dead to God and alive to sin without a relationship with God. But God loved us too much to let us stay in that condition. God loved us so much that the Bible says he gave his only son, Jesus, Jesus, God's son, God in the flesh. He came to earth, took on human flesh. He lived a sinless life as God and man. And on the cross, Jesus Christ surrendered his life as a sacrifice for our sins to pay the penalty of our sin against God. Jesus offered his perfect life as a sacrifice for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again from the dead as a testimony that God had accepted his sacrifice for our sin and to defeat death, hell, and the grave. And now I can put my faith in Jesus Christ. I can turn from my sin, put my faith in Jesus Christ, and be born again to a relationship with the God of heaven, the God that created me. Not because I deserve it, not because I've earned it, but by the grace of Jesus Christ. And here's what happens when that happens. When I'm born again into a relationship with God, God, by His Holy Spirit, the person of Jesus, by His Spirit, comes to live inside of me. Now I want you to look at what Henry Blackaby says. Look at this quote on the screen. When Christ lives in you, He brings every divine resource with Him. Every time you face a need, you meet it with the presence of the crucified, risen, and triumphant Lord of the universe inhabiting you. What in the world are we stressed out about? And listen, if you don't know Him today, today you can come to know Him because of Jesus so, the first key, and these are interdependent to dealing with stress, is living in constant fellowship with God. I know some of you think, man, I hope that's, we talk about it all the time. Fellowship with God, fellowship with God, fellowship with God. Why is that? Because it's the truth. He said, you got two options. You can be anxious. He said, don't do that. Let me give you a better way. In everything, it means the whole and every part of it. Talk to your father. Just talk to father. Talk to the father. So let me give you the second one. Be honest with God about the cares and concerns of my life. In the midst of this conversation with God, where I'm taking these things to, it's okay for me to be real honest with God about the cares and concerns in my life. That's why it's a burden. It's a burden that I'm getting to lay at His feet. It is a burden. It is on my heart. But I get to go and lay that before him. Paul uses some words like supplication. It's a word that means to make your need known. The word request is a word that means a specific, detailed thing that you're asking for. And Paul says, I'm to let these things be made known. Here's what that means your Father in heaven is waiting. To intervene in your situation. But he's not going to force himself in. That phrase, let it be made known. It it, it implies that I am inviting the activity of my father into my life. Through this constant conversation by making. It's God, you see what's going on. And Lord, you know I don't have the resources to meet this. And God, I'll be honest. I'm I'm getting a little... (laughs) stressed out about it, but God, I know in your word, you you told me not to do that, so Lord, I'm going to lay it at your feet, and you get specific, you get detailed, you get real honest, and you let him into that situation, that's the implication of this tense, and here's what I want you to realize, when you're doing that, you are talking To your father as a loved child of the father. And there's nothing you have to do today to earn that position. You've been given that position because of Jesus. You see, I don't deserve to be a loved child of the father. But I am a loved child of the father. Because of Jesus. And there's nothing I can do today that will change the position that I have before God because my position is not rooted in my performance. My position is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. So because of Jesus... I can at any moment in the day, no matter what I'm dealing with, have instant access into the very throne room of the God of the universe because He's my Father and I'm His child and He loves me and He's waiting to engage in the situation in my life. That's why 1 Peter writes it this way. Look at it, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your anxiety on Him. Why? Read the last phrase. Because He cares for you. That's present active tense in the Greek language. Here's what it means. You could literally translate it this way. Because He continuously cares. It means there's not one moment, not one second, not one millisecond where He stops caring. He's your Father. You're His child because of Jesus. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. He knows what's best for you. And He's ready to bring about what's best for you as we get honest with Him. So, live my life in constant fellowship with God. Be honest with God about the cares and concerns in my life. And here's the third one. These are interdependent. They go together. They don't stand alone. The third one is be intentional about thanking God, especially in stressful situations. What? Uh, Thank Him for what? It's a bad situation. Yeah, but here's the way you do that. God, you see what's going on here. And Lord, you, you know what it's doing to me internally. And God, I don't have the resources to meet this challenge emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually. But Lord, you do. And so God, right now, I get very I, I, Lord, I lay this before you. Here's the need. Here's what's going on. God, here it is. And Lord... I thank you because without this, I wouldn't get to see you provide the way you're about to provide. God, I thank you because without this, I wouldn't get to see your faithfulness the way I'm about to get to see your faithfulness. So, God, I thank you. Here's what you need to realize. I wrote this down this week. I was having a conversation with my son, and we were talking about this, and here's what I told him. Struggles are simply opportunities for God to show his faithfulness. Struggles are simply opportunities for God to show his faithfulness. So when you're in the midst of the struggle, you can say, God, thank you, because I'm about to get to see you do something I would never have been able to get to see you do if it wasn't for this situation in my life. God, I'm about to see you move in a way that I could not have seen you move were it not for this. Lord, I don't know the end yet, but God, right now, by faith, I thank you for what you are about to do. You say, well, I don't really feel thankful. (laughs) That's okay, too. Let me show you what my mentor, Clyde Cranford, wrote in his book. He said, feelings follow faith. Thus, thankfulness is the result of thanksgiving. And worry and genuine thankfulness cannot abide in the same heart. Feelings follow faith. You put your faith in the Word of God. You trust Him. You thank Him. And and don't miss the promise. Be anxious for nothing. That's one option. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then look at the promise. (laughs) And the peace of God. And the peace of God. And God's peace. Which, notice this, surpasses all comprehension. That's the effect it has today. Right now, today, I begin to practice this principle in these stressful situations. And right now, God just gives me a peace. What that surpasses all comprehension, here's what that means. I can't understand it. I shouldn't be this at peace. It shouldn't be. I ought to be stressed out. But I'm not. I don't understand it. Why? Because it's God's peace. It's beyond my ability. That's why people sometimes look at Christians and go, Man, I don't understand. With what's going on in your life, how do you have peace? Not my peace. It's His peace. And I'm getting in on it through a fellowship relationship with Him because of Jesus. And then he says, not only it surpasses all comprehension, but then he says, here's what it does in the future. It, It guards your heart And your mind in Christ Jesus. So not only today when I begin to practice this. Does it give me his peace. But it begins to build a a boundary. Protecting my heart. From responding in stress in the future. Because now the peace of God is guarding my heart from those situations. And now those situations are just instigators. To drive me to deeper fellowship with God. And that. Is how you enjoy life. And not just endure it. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word today. God, would you begin to teach us in ways that, Lord, maybe we've not known before. God, would you open our eyes to your truth today and would you give us ears to hear what it is you you have to say to us. Holy Spirit of God, right now, would you speak to hearts as only you can. In the stillness of this moment... As you sit before the Lord, I want to ask you a couple of questions because I want you to respond today to what you've heard God say. and and, and We're about to have a time. We're going to stand and sing a song of worship. It's not a time to slip out early. This is a time for us to respond to what God is speaking. And The first question I want to ask you is this. Do you know the God of peace? Do you have a relationship with God? If you don't know Him today, You'll never know the peace of God until you know the God of peace. You need to first come to know Him. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing this song of worship. And we're going to have some pastors down here at the front. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to know Jesus today, when we stand to sing, you simply come to one of these pastors. And all you have to say is this, like some did in the first service. All you have to do is say, I need Jesus. And we'll have somebody sit down with you and open a Bible and show you from the Bible how you can do what I talked about a moment ago. You can experience the gospel. You can be saved and be forgiven and be given a relationship with God. If you don't know Him, that's step one today. Come to know Him. So when we stand to sing, if you don't know Jesus, you just make your way down to one of these pastors. I'll be right here. we got other pastors here. Say, I need Jesus. And we'll have somebody sit down with you and show you how you can begin a relationship with God today. That's step one to enjoying life. It's what you were made for. You were made to know Him. Second question. If you already know Him, are you living in constant fellowship with Him? Moment by moment throughout the day, are you having these conversations with God? Are you communicating with God? Are you talking to your Father? Are you being honest with God about the cares and concerns of your life? Are you getting specific with those needs and requests and burdens? And then finally, are you thankful? Are you doing all that with an attitude of gratitude where you're thanking God for the situation even though you don't understand it yet? We stand to sing in just a moment. We're going to have our pastors here. And if you're a believer and you need to pray with a pastor about a burden in your life, we'd be honored to do that. Or you can come and these steps up here at the front can be like an old fashioned altar. You can just come and kneel and be alone with God and cry out to God. As God speaks today, you respond. Lord. Thank you for listening to this message from Hope Church. We would love to connect with you, so be sure to follow us on our social networks by searching Hope Church LV.